The following is a ray gun armed, faster than light presentation of GalacticNetcasts.com. The Time Traveling Robots Hello and welcome to the Time Traveling Robots in Space episode number 17 for uh, Wednesday. I was about to say Tuesday, but it's Wednesday, January 11th, 2012. This is the show where we talk about time travel, robots, and space in science fiction and science fact. From Wausau, Wisconsin, I am the Inter-Dave, and from Glendale, California, he is Mr. Paul Swickard. How you doing, Paul? I am doing smashingly, sir. We finally got webcam stork, so I am, I am elated. Yeah, uh, a little backstory. Last night, we usually do this podcast on Tuesday evenings, but last night, uh, Paul had a minor webcam issue, uh, <laughs> just teeny-weeny, uh, that stopped us from doing the broadcast. So tonight we're doing it on a Wednesday, and this is our very first one on Spreecast.com. Of course, if you're not familiar with Spreecast, it is a, a great new social media platform that lets people broadcast together just like me and you are doing right now. And if you're watching us live and are new to Spreecast, make sure you sign in using your Facebook or Twitter credentials. And then also during the show at the very end, actually, we're going to do the whole podcast, and then at the very end, we'll bring some people on camera, and you can ask questions and that kind of thing. Or actually, you could ask questions any time. Just type them in, and we'll add them to the conversation. Sound good, Paul? Indeed. That sounds wonderful. All right. So let's start with this right here. Sector 1, time, time travel. travel. And if you're new to the podcast, uh, what we do is we break it down into three segments. We talk about time travel. Then we talk about robots, and then we talk about space, and then we do our recommendations, and then we do the question of the week. That's how we do it. It's a good time. Yes, it is. Very entertaining, I must say. All right, so uh, here's the first story for the day. From the futoncritic.com, it looks like the fate of time-traveling prehistoric show Terra Nova will be decided very soon. Speaking at the TCA Winter Press Tour over the weekend... Fox Entertainment President Kevin Riley said, we made money on it, which is good. Uh, the studio made money on it, and the audience enjoyed it. The show looked fantastic. It's clearly a concept people want to watch. The news wasn't all good, though, as Riley addressed the creative issues that the series has struggled with. There were a lot of chefs in the kitchen going in that made it uh, for a little bit of a challenge, the show was hunting to find itself creatively through the season. We are going to decide. We're going to decide very soon because it does need to get back into production over the next month. So, uh, did you ever get a chance to see um, Terra Nova, Paul? I've seen a few episodes. Um, yeah, and I, I'm, you know, no offense to any Terra Nova fans out there, but I'm a little surprised. I kind of figured this would be one of the first ones to go on the chopping block. Okay, how, like, what part of the season did you watch the episodes? Like, at the beginning, middle, or end? Uh, I was towards the beginning, and, well, shoot, I don't know. I had, I watched the episode when they find out that these little things are migrating, or rather, we built their land on the the migration patterns, Mm -hmm. so, yeah, 
it's uh that was the one I saw. And I you know, it was fine. It wasn't terrible. But I figured that given that, you know, it's the it's a I would imagine it's a slightly larger budget as it's a sci fi type television show. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I didn't think it would survive. Yeah, I didn't think so either. And it was very hit and miss at the beginning where when you were watching it, but it actually got better over time and like the last two or three episodes got really good. So I think they found themselves towards the end, and I'm hoping that Fox sees that. And it looks like they're pretty happy with the show, and I really hope that they uh, pick it up for a second season because I think they have a lot. They have a lot to a lot to say, and uh, get rid of a couple of those executive producers, and I think you're fine. Because there was if you yeah. if <laughs> if you saw the very the very the very beginning when they rolled the credits, there was a lot of producer executive producer second producer and half of them were star trek old star trek guys so oh is that right yeah get rid of a couple of those guys, those people and i think the show will be fine well that's good that's good i you know i i hope it does well you know and the other thing is too is pilot episodes or even the beginning of brand new shows are rarely rarely good mm-hmm. it, it, that is the exception if they're if they actually are entertaining <laughs> And I think with this show, I think they depended too much on the concept and on the special effects, and they were light on characters and light on story, and I think they got better with that over time, and if they continue doing that, I think the show will win in the long run. Good. And it, lo- it, looks, like, it, it looks like Inertia likes it as well. Um, she says it's getting better towards the middle. So I agree with you, Inertia. And I, at, the, at the end of the season, it gets really good. So keep watching. So oh, very cool. what do you got for us? Time travel. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Marty McFly drove a DeLorean. No, really? Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. And, I, again, breaking news. Uh, it recently sold at auction the actual DeLorean that they used, full, you know, full prop and all. Like it is an actual functional car, and it sold for five hundred and forty-one thousand dollars. It is quite the buy, quite the steal, as it were. Okay, so this had to be one of many, right? Or is this the main one they used in the movies? It said that it was a. See, that's the thing, is they weren't entirely clear about that. At least from the way it looks, it seems like this is the only one. And this was from originally a different private collector. So they didn't buy this from a studio. This was someone who actually like, actually bought it prior to that. So, yeah, most the version that they were used were auctioned mostly in the third movie itself. Okay. So, yeah. And now, and so the private owner, who is undisclosed, decided to sell it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. How much was it again? Yeah. It was $500,000. $541,000 for that car. And it looks beautiful. Like, obviously, they cleaned it up and stuff. But, uh, yeah. Uh, inertia is saying that there's three. That could be. Uh, again, it wasn't entirely clear. But we do know that one of them was, in fact, sold. And it's for quite the. It's not jump change. <laughs> wow, it looks good though. It's got all the cool stuff from the movie still on it. It's you know, it's got all the props. 
it's got all the flex capacitor, it's got all of the engines and the tubes and things, and uh, Mr. Fusion in the back. So yeah, it looks good. Mr. Fusion. And I don't know five. I I don't know if it's five hundred thousand dollars good, but it's good. No, I think if you had the money, I think it would be worth five hundred thousand dollars. I I don't know maybe. If I had, if I had a hundred, you know, if I ever have that much money, if I had like a couple hundred thousand dollars, I might actually spend fifty thousand dollars to pick up something like this. Fifty thousand? Yeah. I mean, no. Yeah. Hang on. <laughs> Just quick math. Yeah. Dave does math. No. Um, if I had a couple of million, I think I might get it. If I had a few million. And I, if I had several million, I'd pick it up. See, I, I respect that. I, I can at least I, I can at least understand why someone would buy this thing. Yeah. You know, other you know, astronomically expensive things, not so much. This, I get it. Makes sense. Okay, if if you bought this car and then went broke, all you mm-hmm. all all you all you would have to do, besides selling it, would be to take it around to auto shows, and you'd make your money. Maybe, maybe, I, or like, I don't know. Try to sell it to, a, or rent it to a movie studio, trying to sell them on the idea of more Back to the Future movies. Yeah, or the commercials they've done recently, like that one that. Oh yeah. Who played Doc Doc Brown again? What's his name? Uh, that was Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, he did a commercial recently for some place down in South America, and they. And the concept of the commercial was him, you know, coming back through time and then crashing into this business. And it looked like they had a DeLorean. It looked like a bona fide DeLorean. Cool. Did you ever go on the Back to the Future ride at Universal Studios? I've never been to Universal Studios. No. Oh, see, that's the thing. Is I People, like, for anyone who's ever been, they uh, had... Like as you sit, as you're standing in line, they tried to have a story play out as you were standing in line. So the story was, is that Doc Brown had made this institute of time travel, okay. and Biff had broken in to this. Biff had broken into this place to try and steal one of the time machines. Okay, that was the whole plot plot arc, and they used the same actors. You know, this was you know obviously like. Jeez, 20 years ago. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, it's unfortunate. The ride doesn't exist anymore. They replaced it with the Simpsons ride. But, yeah, that, w- that was a lot of fun, too. I liked, I liked that quite a bit. All I got to say is, must be nice to live in California. It, it, some, some parts are wonderful. That is one of the wonderful parts. The traffic, not so much. But that part, good. I saw a DeLorean driving down the freeway one day. It totally threw me off. Did you really? Yeah. It wasn't like a... I don't ever think... It wasn't a DeLorean from one of the movies. It was just a regular DeLorean. But it still... It threw me for a loop. I'm like, I had to do a double take. I don't know that I've ever seen one in the wild. I'm not sure. Well, get out your hunting glasses and look. Maybe you'll find one. Seriously. Yeah. All right. So let's move on. Sector 2. Robots. All right, NBC has started casting for a new show a new show called Beautiful People, which takes place in the future when humans share the world with androids who look just like us but are treated like second-class citizens 
I'm having deja vu. Have we talked about this? And the city's beautiful people. That does sound familiar. I think we just talked about this. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's your we, story, dude. I think we, we both have the shortest memory in the world. Because I think we may may have talked about this. Oh, and we lost Dave. I don't know if this is recording. So I'll continue to talk. I don't know if we've talked about this story. It is quite possible. And, yeah, it's, let's see. His late husband found a company called The Mechanicals. Interesting. You lost me? I don't know. I did lose you for quite, oh. a, for quite some time, and okay. I filled in the gaps. Okay, because it, <laughs> it didn't seem like I was lost. Like, I was watching you. I was hearing you. I was seeing me move around. So that just may be on your end. Oh. Well, in that case, I apologize for talking no, over you. No, it's okay. No, okay. I, I understand. <laughs> okay, so back to this story. Um, it will follow the super-rich Lydia, whose late husband founded the company that makes these mechanicals. James Murray will play Lydia's son, a rich attorney who makes waves by suggesting that, suggesting that the androids deserve civil rights, a notion that's widely mocked. Meanwhile, Patrick Husinger will play a mechanical who is a servant in Lydia's home. One of Husinger's daughters gets killed in a car accident, and then he starts experiencing grief, a human emotion. No word yet on when the pilot episode will be filmed, but it's interesting because did you hear what I said about Husinger's daughter? So these, these mechanicals have kids. They have families. I, I want to say I want to know how that works, but I'm not sure I do want to know how that works. <laughs> like, may- I mean, maybe it, maybe it's like, you know, come to think of it, maybe it's like a Sims 3 thing. You know what that's about? Basically, they try to take hybrids of what characters look like on the screen and try to make a child that has a sort of mesh of both the characters. So maybe it's like one of those things, you know, like a mesh of programs kind of a deal. Yeah, that's possible. Um, so there's not actually any physical work involved it's just it's just created out of their out of their being i don't know enough information to comment on that well we shall see hopefully this hopefully Indeed. hopefully the uh, pilot episode gets made and hopefully it actually makes it on the air next uh, next fall cuz i would like to see this show it really reminds me a lot of caprica did you ever see caprica no i have not seen caprica Caprica, of course, for those unaware, is the uh, prequel to uh, Battlestar Galactica that had a very, very short life on uh, sci-fi. Yeah, and see, I, I probably talked about this before, but I don't know that... I, I've i heard so many mixed things, I'm kind of hesitant about diving in there. You know yeah, what I mean? yep. But you, you won't have that many episodes to, to burn through if you did want to watch it. Because yeah, what are they like six? No, there's more than that. It's almost a full oh, okay. season, but it's it's no more than one season. So it's not like Walking Dead season one short. <laughs> no, oh no, that's like one of the shortest seasons ever. You know what? I think the British are on to something because a lot of their shows have very very short seasons, and their shows seem to last longer. So I'm thinking that maybe. Mm-hmm. The key for a show to stay on the air is to have short seasons, you know. That could 
see. I know my wife would know. She would know about why television has the season length that they do. But yeah, I it's I I remember there was a reason at one point, and now I think that reason's kind of arbitrary. You know, other than the need for people to take breaks and that kind of thing. But mm. yeah, I uh, who's to say? I don't know. I don't know if a shorter season is better because like. You have, if you're talking about a thing like The Walking Dead, you're literally like, okay, so we get six episodes and then we wait a year? Like, I, I hope that's not what we would have to look forward to. Well, the Brits did that with Sherlock. They did three episodes and waited a year. Three? Yeah, three episodes. Oh, man. No, but thank you. I, but, I couldn't do it. But the, but but they were like the hell, holy hell out of me. But they were like 90-minute episodes, so it was more like six six episodes but still that was a long time to wait yeah um inertia in the chat room says she likes short seasons and she says compared to here in the states something hang on what did she say before that brits have few writers i don't know i'm lost Maybe they can only there, produce... She was postulating why they were shorter seasons. Oh, okay. Okay, I understand. All right. All right, so there you go. Um, looking forward to... What was it called again? <laughs> Beautiful wow. People. That was that was really memorable. It was called... Let's see. Beautiful People. I told you. Short memory. I understand. I'm, I hope I can keep you in check. I, I, I feel as though I've failed so far. I have a sickness. I, I My brain does not work like other people's brains. I understand. So, I understand. in the category of robots, what do you have for us? I have robots, sir, and they are fun robots. Okay. So, yeah, we we on the show tend to talk about a lot of robots that people cannot have. Like, they're military-grade robots, they're robots that are homemade, that kind of thing. And, you know, I personally like to know what robots I can buy today. So, we have a list of robots that you can buy right now. And whether or not this is a good thing or a bad thing, I won't make any conjectures about that. But, yeah, some of these are quite entertaining. So, we have five robots. One is something called the Hansen robot. <laughs> and so this was not explicit, but I, I think they called it the Hansen robot because it looks like one of the Hansons. It does look like one of the Hansons. That's weird. Yeah. And they, what's weirder is they never really called it out. You know what I mean? Like that, that was never explicitly said inside of, that was never explicitly said inside of the article. It was just this thing that looked like a Hanson child. And really all it does is it's supposed to do, I guess, kind of what you would consider typical robots to do in that it has cameras and different sensors and it's supposed to be able to reasonably react to what, what it is that you're doing and have like sort of packaged emotional responses. Okay. And the best part, you can have one of these robots yourself for the mere sum of between $8,500 and $14,000. You know, compared to $500,000, that's a bargain, man. It, it is, especially if you want a Hanson robot and are not interested in Back to the Future. <laughs> so, okay. Some of these... They didn't mention... They didn't actually mention the group Hanson, but I'm thinking the creator of this must have been a Hanson fan. I, 
I guess. <laughs> I guess. I have no idea. There are other thing. I mean, there is a, the another robot we have is something called the Anybot, and this is kind of crazy. So you have this robot that looks like it's on a pedestal. It looks almost like it's a lamp, just like with a little TV and a, you know a little speakers where the where the light would normally be. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to follow people around. And the idea is is that you and I, Dave. I could have one of these things in your, you know, in the office, and you would be in there, and I could communicate with you via this robot. Okay. So you would see a picture of me, just like you're seeing a picture of me now, and you could hear me, just like you're hearing me now. And the only difference is, is I'm like controlling this robot that is following you. So you're remotely. So it is essentially a, a virtual person there. That's what it's intended to be. Is a, a virtual communication device. You're putting a, a mobile communication device. You're putting you're putting yourself you're putting yourself into the robot. Pretty much, that's the idea. And again, you can have it for the mere sum of fifteen thousand dollars. That's not bad at all. I can say that. <laughs> really, all I can say is that we have this technology. And it's a heck of a lot cheaper than $15,000. If you want a mobile communication device, I don't know if you're aware of this, but you too could have a cellular phone. <laughs> yeah. And that, those newfangled iPhones I hear have FaceTime. So, you know, just saying. Yeah, it is pretty much it, the same thing. And you're going to save a lot of money. Yeah. But it won't be as cool. Anywho, it will not be as cool. That's true. It will not be as cool. And it is not, I would not classify that as a robot. It is not, in fact, a robot. By the way, Inertia has the title of this episode. She typed in, in, in the chat room, Mbop, really? but I'm going to call this episode Mbot. Nice. Yeah. That's that, clever. That's See, the, this is why you get paid the big bucks. I don't get paid anything, Paul. What are you talking about? I retain my statement. Anywho, uh, yeah, we also have a couple of other things. I'll just charge through these real quick in the interest of time. One is, they call it Lego Mindstorm. And the idea is, is that you they give you parts and a uh, SDK, or rather a programming language, to program a robot. So the idea is that you could build your own robot and program it yourself. That is the point of this thing. And it's much, it's, I guess you can think of it as a very, very advanced director set. Mm-hmm. Or Legos, as that's probably where they got it from. And yeah, there's one of the, you can buy one of these kits for $300. The next thing is something that's picked up a lot of traction nowadays. It's essentially a MakerBot, which is like, a, they call it the MakerBot Thingomatic, and it's a 3D printer. So, yeah, it, for. Just real quickly, if for those of you who don't know what a 3D printer is, it's essentially to a, a thing that will is supposed to design something or put in like like a plastic model what you design on a computer. So like it's a a quick a quick way to spec things out. That's the idea behind it. Like if you're designing a you know uh, a chair, you can like make a miniature version of that chair, that kind of thing, and. Uh, yeah, 3D printers. They're pretty awesome, and I really look forward to seeing what they have next. Yeah, um, the Twit Network had Bree. I forget his last name. Bree is one of the guys that heads up the company that makes the MakerBots. 
and uh, they had him on their coverage of CES yesterday on the Twit Network, and they actually demonstrated the MakerBot, which was pretty cool. They made a little mini cupcake. It was pretty cool. That is cool. That is cool. It's actually the comparisons have been made to like a replicator from Star Trek, and that I think that's pretty neat. I think that I think the fact that we're doing this and this is actually becoming real, that I think that is awesome. I think that's wonderful. And one of these kits will run you eleven hundred dollars. And the last one is something that everybody knows about. It's the Roomba from iRobot. And it's, you know, goes around your house picking stuff up. 260 bones. Everyone, you know, it will annoy your dog. Buy one. So that is the cheapest robot that you can get. It is indeed. And it's the one probably most people have heard of. Yep. And uh, speaking of CES and Twit, that's this is something else that they, they showed uh, the next generation of this when they were going through one of the exhibit areas, I think on Sunday night at CES. And they, they showed the next generation iRobot, and it's much more advanced than this one. It's an actual robot robot. Sweet. Yeah. That's so, awesome. All right, cool. So those are all robots that you can own right now. And this came courtesy of Chris Perillo at Locker Gnome. You all know Chris. Indeed. All right. Uh, that only means one thing. We are moving on. All right, from trekmovie.com, Benedict Cumberbatch, star of the hit BBC series Sherlock, has officially been cast to play the villain in the Star Trek sequel film. How awesome is that? That is awesome. Good on you. Good on you, Mr. Abrams. Are you you familiar with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch? No, other than the fact that he has the funniest name in television today. Yeah, it is pretty hilarious. <laughs> no, you, you haven't seen no, Sherlock? No, I know what he looks like. Okay. But I still, yeah, Sherlock, the BBC Sherlock is one of those things that I just haven't seen yet. Oh, you got to, man. You got to. Hey, I know, I know you're, you're a hardcore fan. Yeah. Well, I'm not a hardcore fan, but I'm a, I'm a big fan. And you can get through the series. You know, it's only three episodes. You can get through the series in half a weekend, and you'll... you'll you're good. Good to know. I understand. Very good. And they're all they're all on streaming right now too. Oh, well, okay, that's good to know. All right, maybe so I can, maybe I can work that in. All right, so Benicio del Toro was originally up for the role, but talks broke down with him about a month ago. A source says Cumberbatch blew them all away when he auditioned for the part in Trek, along with his work on Sherlock Cumberbatch has been picking up more film work recently. He has roles in the new Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and Steven Spielberg's War Horse, uh, both currently in theaters. He's also providing the voice and motion capture for Smog, the Dragon, and Peter Jackson's forthcoming Hobbit films. Nice. And nice. Uh, the, Star Trek, awesome. the Star Trek sequel is slated to begin shooting this week, and I actually just put up a story today on galacticnetcasts.com about somebody else they just added to the cast of Star Trek as well. Um, His name is Joseph Gatt. He's a big guy. He's been in... uh, He was in Thor. He played the Frost Giant in Thor. Oh, all right. 
I have no idea who that is. I didn't see Thor, but he's a huge guy. Oh, yeah? Thor was fun. Thor was fun. Yeah, I'm not really... Probably a... the weakest of the Avengers-type crowd, but Yeah, it was fun. I'm not really... Uh... What's the word I'm looking for? Comic booky? No, I'm, I, I like comic books, but I'm more into the modern-day comic books. Thor seemed more like... Um... Oh, not fantasy. That's the wrong word. Um... Never mind. It's just my, it's just not my thing. <laughs> no, I get it. That's fine. I, and you know what else is too, is like uh, Thor is one of those comic books where it's really hard to have a villain that matches him because you know it's much like Superman. You know, it's kind of if you're too powerful, it gets boring, it gets annoying. And mm-hmm. Thor is one of those characters where like you know you get to a point where you need someone like Loki who is just that powerful. But even then, it's like you don't know exactly what what is going to work, you know, what's affecting yep. that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yep, I know exactly so, what you yeah. mean. And uh, thanks again to Inertia. She saves the day. Mythology, that's exactly the word I was looking for. I don't like, mytho- I don't like mythological stuff. All right. I, I can understand that. All right, so, so wrapping up space, what do you got? Uh, we have a history of, well, rather, I should clarify, an optimistic history of the next 40 years in space travel. And this particular ar- uh, article is brought to us by io9. It's essentially an idea of where we're headed in terms of the you know, space-type community. And, you know, I, it's... I, I, I actually, when I was reading it, I actually thought of you, Dave, because a lot of these predictions are stuff that you have brought up as well. I'm just saying. Really? Like okay. Example, oh yeah, like like for example, by 2015, the Virgin Galactic, which, as you know, is the you know is the is the space travel flight type thing, is the uh, the space travel type company, you know. Yeah, there. You can anybody can book a flight into space, basically. The tourist, right? You got it. So the uh, whole deal is, is that the uh, the the thought is, is that the anticipation will be that he will ha- start having like orbital hotels and you know, you know more tourism in space. And I know you have mentioned that multiple times. The idea that you think one of the next big things will be the idea, you know, that you can book. Uh, flights in space or hotels in space, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a pretty cool idea. They even alluded, again, to zero-gravity sex. Just figured I'd throw that in there. Don't know exactly why. <laughs> I don't know why they alluded to it, but they did. And I thought it was worth mentioning. That's one of those things that sounds cool, but I think in reality would not work that well. Yeah. I'm, I won't go into details why, but I agree. I okay. think that would get uncomfortable. Okay. So what what else does this guy have to say that's optimistic about the next 40 years? Well, he's saying that 20, by 2020, people, he, the idea that more spa- space travel will become more ingrained into our psyche, and as a result, it will sort of further the whole uh, transport, you know, space transportation thing, and people will become less afraid of it like they'll become more familiar with the idea and it won't be as random 
as you know it is now. Like I, for I, for example, have never met anybody who's traveled through space. Like really, and so, and so I think that it, with that shift, you're going to find a lot of things where you know, like the idea of going of seeing a space station or seeing you know seeing the Earth from orbit is going to become a lot more common, and as a result. Mm-hmm people are going to be thinking about it more often, whereas now it's still, like, the gap between us and space is still pretty big, you know? Yep. That's just like anything. That's just like uh, air travel. People were kind of freaked out by that at first. Or, like, going on long voyages on the ocean. That was kind of a fear of some people. Um, So I, I think with anything that gets used more and more and more, I think people get more comfortable with it and that will help grow the industry. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. And you know, the, I won't detail everything that goes on in the article, but by the, the whole thing culminates with by 2040, the, we are going to have human outposts on, on the moon and on Mars. And these will be literally independent colonies. Like, I don't know, That'll be an interesting thing. Like, you know, are we going to claim the moon for the United States? Question mark or Mars for the United States? Like, where do we draw the line? Yep. I don't know. The Russians will probably be helping us at that point. Is it a joint effort? What, like, if a lot of people are there and like laws have to become ap- applicable, then how do we deal with this? It's going to be it's going to be very interesting. And it, it when I. It should have occurred to me immediately, but this will. What he's speculating on is that this is going to happen in hopefully our lifetime. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that would be something to see, wouldn't it? If you and I are still doing this and we are talking about, like, you know, the new human outpost on Mars, check it out. So, in 40 years, I will be 84 degrees. <laughs> I was about to say degrees. No. Degrees? 84 years <laughs> old. So. I really hope that all this stuff happens within my lifetime. That would make me a happy camper, especially if I had the chance to actually go into space, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be uh that'd be that'd be something. Isn't it? And then for, you know, whatever the next generation is or my kids or whoever or my grandchildren, this is not going to be as big of a deal, just like in the way that flight travel is not that big of a deal. Yep. It's it's going to be exciting. Or using computers not that big of a deal. You know, right, right. It's just everybody's doing it. It's just a normal thing. It's part of your life. It's it's in everything. As yeah. before, it was like this big box on your desk, and that's the only place that it was. Now it's in your phones. It's in your refrigerators. It's in your cars. It's everywhere. You know. And only the super geeky people were. Those are the for the the nerds and all those crazy programmers. Now it's like. Oh yeah, it's mainstay. Everybody yeah. has one. When 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 the Beeb is at CES, you know that the computers have gone mainstream. <laughs> Agreed. All right, so we're gonna put all the all the links to all the stories that we talked about on this show in the uh, show notes at galacticnetcasts.com. All right, so time for our recommendations and. Um, Yay. Yeah, this is my favorite part. Um, And we've talked about this in the past, my hesitation to watch animation. And I'm I'm slowly kind of coming out of my shell a little bit. And part of that was watching this movie, 
over the weekend, uh, which is the uh, 1999 film produced by Warner Brothers based on the 1968 novel by Ted Hughes called The Iron Man. Of course, the movie I'm talking about is Iron Giant. Um, Bravo. Bravo, Dave. I, I'm proud of you, dude. <laughs> and you know what? When I watched right after this, I watched the... Um, it was either before I watched this or after it. I watched the Pixar story, which was fascinating. Oh, the the sort of making of kind of a deal. Right? Yeah, the documentary was awesome. It was very interesting. That's very cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, all right, so this was on Netflix, so I watched it over the weekend, especially since I had uh, recently seen MI4. I wanted to see some of Brad Bird's previous work, Um MI4, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, was his first live-action film, and this was his... Iron Giant was his his big accomplishment as an animation director. Mm-hmm. Actually, not his this big... Was, I, this is before he joined uh, uh, Pixar. Yeah, it's, I think this was the movie that really got him some heavy notoriety and getting noticed. Yep. You were going to say something before that? Nope, that was it. Oh, okay. All right. So the story of this takes place in 1957 about a nine-year-old named Hogarth Hughes, awesome name, who makes friends with an innocent alien giant robot from space, voiced by Vin Diesel, which crashed, landed on Earth. Meanwhile, a paranoid U.S. government agent named Kent Mansley arrived in town determined to destroy the giant at all costs. It's up to Hogarth to protect him by keeping him at Dean McCoppin's junkyard. Uh, voice actors in this movie, Jennifer Addison and Aniston, she played Hogarth's mother. Harry Connick Jr. played Dean uh, McCoppin. He was kind of like a beatnik uh, junkyard guy. <laughs> and uh, John Mahoney from... That literally. What's that? He means that literally. He was a junkyard guy. He hung out at a junkyard. Yeah, he ran the junkyard. Yeah. And uh, one of the producers on this film was Pete Townsend from The Who. And uh, music was done by Michael Kamen. So a lot of big names attached to uh, the uh, Iron Giant. That's awesome. Yeah. I really... Yeah, I... I... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You go. Uh, I I really enjoyed The Iron Giant. I thought it was a great movie. It, it was a lot of fun. It's kind of like the whole... Uh, we watched... After after last night, after I, after we stopped talking, I started watching... I saw finally saw Super 8. So it's kind of like one of those deals where the children actually don't... Uh, the, the children are kind of the only ones that knows what's going on, and that they're the ones that have to save the day. Yep. And it's kind of a similar thing in the Iron Giant. You know, everyone's terrified of the giant, and the only one who really understands the giant are the children. Yep. So that's what it would remind me of. That's a typical. That's a typical film. That's a typical trope in movies. That happens all the time. Sure. That's sure. funny that you mention and that you watched Super Eight because Brad, my host for uh, Alien Invasion podcast, which we did a couple hours ago. He hasn't seen Super 8 yet, and I gave him a lot of crap tonight because he hosts a podcast about aliens, and he hasn't watched the movie yet. <laughs> so I'm glad somebody did. 
yeah, it was it was on my list. I wanted to see it. Finally got it in the mail, and yeah, it was it was worth the watch. Have you seen Cloverfield? Yes, yes, it was. Would you say it's very similar to Cloverfield by just for the fact of they didn't really show the alien uh, very much until you were pretty much all the way through the movie? That's common. That's common. I don't think that you know if people want to attribute uh, attribute that to Abrams, fine. That's that's totally normal. Like it's the shark. You don't want to show the shark right up front. You don't want to show what everyone's terrified of right away because everyone want it's more dangerous. You're like, oh, what what is this thing that's after us? I don't get it. Mm-hmm. It's just all these different things. And yeah, I mean, it, I guess it's similar in that one way. And that and I mean, I'm, I'm afraid to say anything. I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. But. Uh, <laughs> But you know they the the aliens look similar, you know what I mean. Yep. So I get I would give him more crap for that than I would the fact that he didn't want to show us everything right away. Yep. No, now now that you mention that, I a bunch of movies come to mind like the first Alien. They didn't really show the 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 alien in the first Alien until you were almost halfway through the film. Um, mm-hmm. Same goes with you said Shark, Jaws. That's why Jaws was so successful. Because you didn't see the creature until quite a ways into the film. It's more about the suspense. It was all, it's more it was about all the guesswork. It was all yeah. like, ooh, we see the effects of this thing, but we don't see the thing. Yep. So, yeah. Exactly. All right, so what's your recommendation, Paul? You know what? On a similar note, you know, to your animation, I voted for Wally. Sweet. I like that movie. I the only the I the what's the only knock I can really have against is I really love Pixar's dialogue, and there wasn't much in it. So while I really liked I really liked Wally and I really liked the dialogue that was in it, but all of the you know quote unquote dialogue is just gestures. You know, it's just animation. It's just seeing how different characters react. It's not so much you know in the actual cleverness of the writing. Mm-hmm. Okay, Have so I've never seen it. So do a quick oh. do a quick synopsis without giving away too much. Sure. So the world has gotten so overpolluted that everyone is left. Everyone, every human on Earth is gone. And so we pick up the story with this little tiny robot named Wally, and for whatever reason, he's programmed to compact all this garbage, like in little, you know, in little cute, you know, probably like two foot by two-foot cubes, mm-hmm. and stack them in places to get him out of the way. Even though nobody's there like around him to stop him, or he's really no, not doing this for anybody, but that's what he's doing. So that's how the story starts, is you're following this little robot, and that's all, that is his life. Until he, uh, until he sees this, I don't know if I'd call her an alien, but a different robot land on Earth to try to find something. Like she's looking for something specific. And those two meet, and they try to they kind of develop a quasi relationship, and the story progresses from them. So yeah, it's a lot of fun, a lot of heart. You know, typical Pixar. Oh, I was gonna—that was my next question. Was is—is is that a Pixar film? Yep, yep, it is indeed. And yeah, the robots don't speak for the most part. Like they don't. They're again, it's all just kind of gestures and mannerisms and different tones and you know what they hear and what they say. I'll uh, C-3PO and R2-T2, kind of. 
it's well, yeah, of course. It's it's like you know, it's all like you know, somebody said, oh, or like you know, or somebody said, yeah. It's all that, you know. It's okay. no actual talk. Okay. Hang on, I'm looking to see if it's on Netflix. Stream. I don't know if it's on streaming. No, it's not on streaming. No, it's not. Damn it. Not, none of the Pixar films are. Kind of pisses me off. Thank you, Disney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, anything more about Wally that you want to throw in? Uh, no. Just that it's a, 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 a good movie, a lot of heart. You know, one of those things that's good for the kidlets and for the adults. So it's it's a good movie for anybody. Pretty much, I, I'd imagine the only people who wouldn't like it are like maybe my parents. <laughs> okay, here's a question for you: If you were to show this to like the most evil person in the world, do you think it would melt their heart? I know some pretty evil people, <laughs> so and probably not. <laughs> okay, all right. Which probably says more about. The company I keep, then yeah, and <laughs> anything else, yeah, uh, probably not. It's not that. It's not that good. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's it for our recommendations. Question of the week. Are you ready, Paul? Hit me. This one's a little bit different than what we have done before. <laughs> um. Okay. Here it is. If you could have a fully functional sex bot, I think we we talked about the sex bots last week on the show and have the face and body of anyone, who would you pick? And before you answer, do not say your wife, okay? It has to be, okay, put yourself in place of, your shell, of yourself before you met your wife. So that'll take, that'll, that'll take you out of the getting in trouble. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> so, you know... Not to throw this back at you, Dave, but <laughs> what what is the heart of this question? What are you really trying to get at? Is this because we like, it was brought up last week and you just didn't want to let it go, or what? No, I. Okay, to tell you the truth, I have a hard time coming up with these questions sometimes, and oh. I, I don't. <laughs> something was probably going through my mind at the time when I thought of this one. So, um, blame my uh, being sick in the head. Maybe I don't know. I no just no judgment. <laughs> okay. So, your aunt see not now No, not at all. Um what's that? No, I I was going to say now you're delaying. Yes, I am exactly. Uh I put a few in here just because it's yeah. I I'm not going to explain myself. Uh Terry Farrell. Yes. Do you know who that is? Yes, Dax from she Star Trek Deep Space 9. Star and Deep Space 9, that is absolutely right. I was a fan. Bridget Monahan, do you know who that is? The name sounds familiar, but I couldn't tell you anything that she was in. She was in, uh, well, she was in Serendipity, but the one you would probably know her from is iRobot. Okay. She was the, uh, she was the psych analyst. Okay. And last but not least, and just because I had to throw this in there, was uh, Rachel Nichols who was the green lady in the new Star Trek movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen her without the green makeup. 
So hang I don't on. Know that I have either, but does it really matter? Yeah. No, she looked awfully good with the green makeup, and she looks good in real life because I'm looking at her picture right now. Oh my god! Wow. Yeah. So that's that that those are my personal recommendations. All right. I, I could you know we could go into others, but whatever. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on to mine. And so, yes, please. I I am curious from the master himself. What what the, you got for me? <laughs> master. All right. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I will stop rolling. All right. So anyway, like you, I couldn't decide on one person, so I have a three-way tie. And they are Okay. They're all from well, two out of three are from this the sci-fi genre. Um Karen Gillan, who's the current Companion on Doctor Who, red hair, tall, gorgeous, leggy, oh my God. Um, Suzanne Hoffs from the Bangles, the way she looked back in the 1980s. Um, the, oh, yeah. The young Susanna Hoffs. The Susanna Hoffs of my dreams, 1988 <laughs> Dave, watching the Bangles. <laughs> Do walk like an Egyptian. That's Susanna Hoff. Okay. And okay. F- and finally, um, ch- another Deep Space Nine girl we think alike, Paul. Um, Chase Masterson. The way she looked. Oh, yeah. The the way she looked as Lita from Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. <laughs> I there was a running joke among my circle of friends, like with uh, what's her name from uh, Lord of the Rings. Uh, oh, what was what was the girl's name? I don't know. The elf. I forget her name. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, sh- uh, uh, Liv Tyler. Thank you, Liv Tyler. Everyone was like, everyone was just like, will you will you wear the ears? <laughs> what? I and yeah, I thought of something similar when you brought up Chase Masters. <laughs> yeah, would she wear the nose? Yes, she would have would the. Re- she? I don't know. Yes, she and would. The jewelry. And the ju- yes, I want her as the character of Lita from Star Trek: D Space Nine. In fact, when we're done with the show tonight, I'm going to watch me some D Space Nine. On streaming now. Go yes. watch. Yes. All right. So <laughs> if uh, if you have a recommend, if you have. Let us know who you want yeah. as a fully functional sex bot. What what body and what face of the person that you would want by leaving us feedback. The number is 805-328-3966. You can email galacticnetcasts at gmail.com. Actually, uh... Guy, girl, no judgment. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you're, if, you're a, if you're a girl, if you're a boy... We'll take your answers. Um, and for everything about our show and our shows on the Galactic Netcast Network, uh, go to galacticnetcast.com. You can subscribe to the podcast by clicking on the iTunes logo or by filling out the email form along the right-hand side of each page. Also, along the top menu are links to our Google+, Facebook, and Twitter accounts. So everything that you need to know about us, you can find at galacticnetcasts.com. Also, we are available on Netflix streaming, Paul. Or no, <laughs> that's totally wrong. I was really confused. 
No, we are not on Netflix streaming. We are, however, on Stitcher Smart Radio. Why don't you tell the fine folks all about Stitcher Smart Radio, Paul? Stitcher Smart Radio is the poster child for awesome in today's world. And essentially what they are is kind of on-demand news talk and more on your mobile phone. And the whole point of it is is that you can listen to all these wonderful podcasts with no syncing required and no storage wasted. It's amazing. So, yeah, all you have to do is click on click on one of these wonderful podcasts and start listening immediately. It's amazing. And, and you know what? You can you can get these for a number of devices. Did you know that, Dave? I did know that, but why don't you expound on that? It is available for your iPhone, your Android phone, your web OS phone, and last but not least, well, actually <laughs> it kind of is least. It's it's available for a Blackberry. So for <laughs> the, yes. all of you people <laughs> <laughs> well, you still do that. It's not. There you are. It's not the least least. I would probably put WebOS below BlackBerry, as of right now. <laughs> no. Okay. Fair enough. You are absolutely right. You are absolutely right. No. No dispersions for any BlackBerry people who want to, you know, sponsor us. Downloading is easy. You just go to Stitcher, uh, Stitcher.com, or check your local app store. I always say local. As if the app store is any different. Check your app store. Stitcher Smart Radio. Well, it's 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 local on your phone. It is local on your phone. That's absolutely right. And hey, you know what? Did you know that you can win a hundred dollar cash card too? No, I did not know that. Go to stitcher.com slash galactic netcasts and put in the promo code Galactic Netcasts. And if you're a brand new Stitcher subscriber, if you download it for the very first time, you could win a $100 cash card from Stitcher Smart Radio. How cool is that? That's amazing what that is. Yes. And, yeah, if I had any one of those phones, I would absolutely do it. Unfortunately, (laughs) I don't. But, hey, there you are. All right, so that's going to do it for Episode 17 of the Time Traveling Robots in Space podcast. We'll catch you here next week. Uh, either download the podcast or join us on Spreecast. So until next week, Paul, have a great one. This has been a presentation of Galactic Netcasts. To subscribe to this and our other podcasts, go to galacticnetcasts.com. <laughs>